Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win it. We all have days where we step right in it. Here's my own mistake. Have you ever really messed up? You're in good company. Welcome to My Own Mistake, a podcast about the mistakes people make, shared by the people who made them. Here are your hosts, Stacey Kimball and Christy Spatafore. Christy. Hi, Stacy. How are you today? I'm really good. That was a very enthusiastic greeting, though. I loved it. It was, because it's a very enthusiastic day. It is. I get to go to Seattle this week, so that's always a good day. Oh, I'm jealous. That right? sounds lovely. I'm traveling from the desert to the land of wet. <laughs> is that what they call it? <laughs> I do. <laughs> land of wet. should propose that as a, a new state. But it's green. I, I grew up in Montana, so when I lived in Seattle when I was younger, uh, I was so grateful that it was green year-round. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe it, and there wasn't snow, and, and that's kind of what started me on finding a place to live where there was mm, no snow and uh, no wet. The wet mm-hmm. got to me after a while, which is why I'm in Arizona. Don't have that problem. None of that. None of that. Hey, we have a great guest today. We do. I know every week we say we're excited, but I am really super excited about this person and what we're going to hear about, maybe. So we have Tom Deere here with us. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy. (laughs) Um, I have admired Tom from afar for many years. well known in the voiceover community and has so many great resources um, for those, I think, just starting out and for those that have been at this a long time. So um, really a great admirer of all that you do. So thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. This is (laughs) going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And you're in New York. And so I am in New York. Yes. I I feel almost like I'm there talking to somebody who's (laughs) New York abode. I can just barely see. Well, you know, well, just wait till you hear. Wait for the shouting and the sirens outside. Oh, I love it. I would be. Right in. <laughs> Is it land o wet today? No, it's beautiful. Oh. Beautiful, sunny, seventy-five degrees outside. It's like a perfect day out there. It's the best time of year in New York. Yeah, I'm sure fall is spectacularly beautiful there. Yes, absolutely. So, Tom, you know what time it is? The time has come, Tom. Oh my goodness! For us to drop the dome of disclosure. Bum, bum, bum. So tell us, Tom, what is your own mistake? In voiceover context, <laughs> I would say my biggest mistake is leaving pay-to-play sites. Leaving them? Whoa. Yeah. Leaving wow. them? Wow. Let, allow me to explain. Yes. I was like, why? Please, I want dude. to hear more. Okay. So... I decided I wanted to be a voice actor in 1994. I got my training in 95. I got my first voiceover gig in 1996. And I really didn't understand anything that was going on in the industry. It was also pre-social media, pre-pay-to-play, pre-online casting, pre-digital file delivery, pre-pretty much everything. You know, you had to live in New York or LA and, you know, that was about it. And I struggled for a long time. Uh, And then I got fired from my uh, full-time job, which was one of the best things that ever happened to me. This was late 2005. It's actually almost 18 years ago to the day that I got fired uh, from that job, which was great. It was horrible when it happened. It was great afterwards uh, because as a result of it, um, I had the funding to build my uh, first home recording studio. Mm. Uh, So that was now we're in spring of 2006. And um, I'm there's no 
I mean, there is a Facebook, but only like the college students really knew about it. So there really wasn't anything. I mean, MySpace, I think, was around mm-hmm. um, and there were bulletin boards and stuff like that. And um, there was talk of these online casting sites and one of them was Voice123. So I checked it out um, and I'm like, oh, OK, because I had been like not really understanding how to get gigs. I mean, I didn't have any representation at the time. And the ones that I, the few reps I had were the kind that you had to pay for. And they basically were ripping you off. Oh, you want headshots? Oh, you got to pay and go through this. Like I got scammed multiple times way back Mm -hmm. in the day. Um, And I only knew cold calling. That's really all I knew because that's really kind of all there was back in the Mm -hmm. day. So, um, so I saw this voice one, two, three thing and I'm like, oh, okay, let me, uh, let me give it a shot. And, uh, you know, I paid the, uh, I think it was $300 back then. It was three or $400 and it was one tier. And, um, I was on it from 2006 to 2013. Um, and I did good. I made money. Uh, I was booking gigs. It was going, it was going really well. And then I started to get more immersed in the voiceover community. I started attending networking events and voiceover conferences and things like that. And my career had really turned the corner primarily as a result of my self-marketing efforts, directed indirect marketing strategies, cold calls, blogging, social media, you know, all that sort of stuff. Everything was going great. And I was on Voice123 and I was booking work and I was making my money back. And um, then I got more involved in the culture of voiceover uh, and the culture of this strata of blue collar uh, voice actors that were making a living doing it. They weren't living in LA with, you know, work booking big gigs with agents and in SAG-AFTRA, but just this kind of like blue collar voice actor group. That's kind of where I found myself. And it was great. Lots of wonderful people, lifelong friends. But the culture was that if you're on a pay to play, you are a bottom feeder. And you are contributing to the lowering of rates and um, the de- degradation of the voiceover industry. And at the same time, I noticed that all my self-marketing strategies were working like gangbusters. You know, all my cold calls, emails, social media, blogging, newsletters, postcards, like everything I did worked to some degree. And I was getting all these regular clients and booking all these gigs and making all this money. And it was great. And I kept listening to the voiceover industry saying, voice123 is terrible. Voices.com is terrible. These are terrible people. And, you know, and if you are, in, if you are with them, you're, you're part of the problem. And I listened to them. And in 2013, I uh, canceled my voice123 subscription. And, um, and I'm like, ha-ha, I'm a real voice actor. Now <laughs> I'm only using self-marketing and I've got some representation you know, and I'm going to, you know, be a moral, ethical uh, voice actor and everything's great. Um, and then in the mid 20 teens, you know, I started seeing these massive fluctuations in my voiceover income. Like it would drop $30,000 one year, go up $20,000 one year, go down $20,000. And I kept seeing all these wild fluctuations in my voiceover income. And then it kind of leveled, but at a much lower level than it was a few years ago. And I noticed that my emails, my cold emails stopped getting replied to. Nobody was answering my phone calls. My postcard mailings wouldn't go, wouldn't get, would get no replies. My, my newsletters would get very little, if anything. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? What is going on here? And then um, 
I started listening to the industry, watching what was going on on social media, talking to people that I trust. And, um, and I said to myself, well, everything, nothing that I'm doing is working anymore, or it's working 80 to 90% less effectively than it used to. So what am I going to do? So I went back to and voice one, two, three had a, a black Friday special instead of 888, it was like 688. And it was my understanding that the 888 on voice one, two, three was the uh, lowest tier to be able to get any real traction uh, on the platform. So I joined it. I made my money back immediately and I started, I started booking. And then the, and here's the really interesting part is that when I was looking at all these casting notices on voice one, two, three, you know, you can click on the client cause it'll have like a number, but you can click on the client yeah, and right. there'll often be a name and an email. And often with the email is the company name.com. So I'm looking at these companies, clients that I'm auditioning for. And I'm like, oh, I used to work with them. Oh, yeah, they used to be on my mailing list. Oh, yeah, they used to unsubscribe oh. for me over and over and over again. Wow. And I'm like, oh, now I know why most of my self-marketing isn't working anymore. It's because many of these clients that I've been courting or working with for so long migrated to pay-to-play sites. Wow. Now, did they all of a sudden decide that they were unethical and bottom feedy and doing all that stuff? No. A couple of things happened. Number one, it's just easier to maintain a voice actor roster on a pay-to-play site. It's mm -hmm. easier to post auditions. It's easier to collect the audio files. It's easier to transmit them to the client. It's easier to communicate with the voice actor. It's easier to agree on a rate. It's easier to schedule the sessions, whether it's directed or, or they just deliver the files. It's easier to get the audio files and it's easier to pay the voice actors. It's just easier. Here's the other thing is that when I did my first voiceover in 1996, the majority of voice seekers were in their 40s, 50s, 60s maybe even 70s. Now in 2023, a lot of the voice seekers are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. The voice seekers have gotten decades younger, decades mm -hmm. younger. There are still people that are, that are you know, older that are still doing it, but, you know, but most of them are a lot younger. And the younger you are, the more comfortable with technology that you are. Mm -hmm. So if you're so going online and searching, you know, if you're if you're brand new working in this production department and they're like, OK, you know, help us find some voice actors for this. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And you start typing in some stuff in Google. Guess what's coming up on the very first page? Pay to play right. sites. Yeah. Yep, and yep, all it's yep. about is how easy it is to manage the project and da 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 and da da. And they're like, oh, well, why wouldn't I do this? And then they do it. So. I try not to think about 10 years of not being on pay-to-play sites, where my voiceover career would be right now. I genuinely believe I would be making a lot more money than I am right now if I stuck to it and stayed on pay-to-play sites. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is fascinating. Very interesting. Yeah. I started on Voice123, I think, in... Oh my gosh. I think it was probably around the same time, 2012, 13. And then I kind of, I backed off of it. I was doing some more theater work and backed down. And I, I think of that all the time. Where would I be now had I stayed on a play to play, a pay to play site for all those years? Yeah. Instead of, Here's know. the thing is that our job as voice actors is to go where the, re to be relevant 
and to go where the relevance is. Mm-hmm. Are, yeah. is, are agents and casting directors and managers still relevant? Absolutely. Are they as relevant as they used to be? Absolutely not. It is mm-hmm. inarguable because most agents and managers work with a lot of union work and a lot of union work has gone non-union. And a lot of voice seekers can't be bothered with the bureaucracy or the extra fees of working with representation. Mm-hmm. So is there still lots of high quality work to be had with agents and casting manager, casting directors and managers? Yes, absolutely. Not as much as there used to be. And if nobody's answering their phone anymore, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I can only imagine what a production company's inbox is like, where their email inbox is just completely overflowing with crappy voice right. actors and their crappy demos and their crappy marketing. So they probably have their spam filters set up. So if any of those hit their inbox, it goes immediately to spam. And they're never going to open those emails because they're curating their rosters on a pay-to-play site. And then you sit there on the other end going, whatever happened to all that stuff I set out? What's wrong with my thing? Why didn't it, why did they not like me? Am I, you know, right. and then it's just, you know, and us being the narcissistic masochists that we are. <laughs> As voice actors, yeah. If yep. you think about it, yeah. you know we think we sound great. We, sure. we want we want people to give us money to say stuff out loud, and we keep embrace and we keep you know letting ourselves be rejected again and again and again and again and again on and a again. daily so, basis. On a daily basis. <laughs> on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Yeah. You know, so to be relevant for. I'd say 95% of voice actors coming into the industry to be relevant is to be on a pay-to-play site. Is that the only thing they should be doing? No. Where do you think pay-to-play sites are are headed? Because I we've seen a lot of changes in just the last five years, yeah. and I mm-hmm. think the, the pandemic had a lot to do with that. But yes. where, do you, where do you think in five years they're going to be? That's an excellent question. Um, well, two things, one of which literally happened yesterday, which is David Cicerelli, CEO of Voices.com, is no longer CEO of Voices.com. Yep. Right. So why did that happen? I mean, yeah. there's what the press release says, which may or may not be the entire truth. Um, but if I had to guess, is that Morgan Stanley hasn't gotten a return on their $17 million yep. investment. So David had to go. That's what I think. And David got replaced with a Morgan Stanley person, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that gentleman's job is to make sure that Voices.com is profitable so they can get their $17 million back plus, because that's the whole point of investing money is to get that money back and then some. So Mm -hmm. what does that mean will happen to Voices.com? Are they going to uh, lower the $500 to get more people to sign on? Are they going to raise the $500 to get more bang for their buck? Are they going to increase the 20% they get on the back end? Are they going to lower the 20% as an incentive? Are they going to do a marketing campaign to attract more buyers to the platform? Or are they going to chop up Voices.com and sell it for parts? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to just sell it outright to Voice123 or to another party? Nobody knows. Being that Voices.com is one of the Coke and Pepsis of the pay-to-play sites, what happens to that will obviously have a big effect on what happens to the rest of that, you know, strata of the voiceover industry. So that's one thing. So we don't know because that literally just happened. We don't know why it happened and we don't know what's going to happen next. And the other thing is about what could happen to pay-to-play in five years is AI. Um, I've been, it's been my prediction that AI is going to cut out the bottom of 
Voice123, Voices.com, Fiverr, and Upwork because those lower paying jobs that require not as quality storytellers can just be uh, outsourced to AI, which will work much faster and much cheaper and won't get laryngitis. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that means there'll be a lot, there'll be a lot less um, onboarding opportunities for for voice voiceover talent who are early in their journey. They may not be able to onboard into the voiceover industry. Now, is that a good thing, a bad thing, or just a thing? Um, I think it's just a thing. I think it's just Mm -hmm. a consequence of uh, technology. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, when I started in 1996, you know, there were this many opportunities because you had to be in New York, L.A., whatever. And then social media, pay-to-play, home recording, COVID way opened Mm -hmm. up the voiceover (laughs) industry. AI already is it's it's already mm. starting to close it back up but is it going to go this much this much this much this much or is it going to mm-hmm. just poof all together nobody knows right. i don't think it's going to go poof all together there'll always be a place for art and artists and quality storytellers but for the phone tree right does it really matter if you have a real person answering the phone i don't know it 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 depends uh, you know alexa and siri is good enough so whatever right. that threshold of good enough is is where ai is going to go right up to well and, if, and our ears are used to it too our ears and are our ears are used, used to, to it that. too so whatever that percentage of pay to play sites pay to play gigs are going to get eaten up by ai it may make those pay to play sites completely collapse mm-hmm. or it may strengthen them because yeah. the artists, the good storytellers, the people who have a place in the voiceover industry um, may, may command higher rates mm-hmm. than in five years from now than now. Maybe. I'm being hopeful and optimistic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's going to come true. But yeah, but in, in five years, pay-to-play sites, as we know, could be completely different or they could be completely gone. I I think I agree. There's just no way to see what's going to happen. Um, I've appreciated the online casting sites for my own career. Um, And I've only been in this a few years, really, in earnest. But my first job was a month after joining one of the casting sites. and And um, I was just, I mean, I did, did a happy dance all over my house. And it's not the only place I get work. And I think anybody would agree to rely on them solely would be unwise. Absolutely. And... But it's also just a great source of information for me, like all of the very current scripts that are coming in on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I don't submit them all. I don't read through them all. But I get a good idea of what people are looking for and what style of copywriting is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot out of it, even if I don't book from it immediately. Yes. The the pay-to-play sites on that level give you an idea of industry trends. And mm-hmm. if there's one thing I've learned in 25 plus years of trying to do this is learn to listen to the industry. The ind- Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, that's nice. What does the industry tell you that you want to mm-hmm. do? Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, last month, I booked like three gigs back to back to back. And all of them were recruitment ads, which I never even thought about. 
you know, come on down mm -hmm. to the Department of Transportation. We're having a member, we're having a recruitment drive. Bring your resume, you know, and get ready to be part of the great transportation authority. Blah, 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 blah. I did like three of those. Wow. I was like, wow. oh, okay. It never even occurred to me as like a sub, sub genre of voiceover that that's something that I would be right for. And then, and then I booked another three gigs, like pretty much back to back to back. All of them were like the last few seconds of, of the commercial. Like I did a TV commercial for Cousin Subs, which is like a sub company in like the um, Wisconsin area. And at the end of the commercial, you know, there's the on-camera commercial with the on-camera actors doing the thing. At the end, I'm like, it is hard to decide what to get to Cousin Subs. Come on down and give one something, make up your mind or whatever the line was. So I just did the last few seconds. And then I did it again for the Royal Bank of Canada. And then I did it again for another company. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Interesting. The industry is telling me where where I'm castable. And all of those happened mm -hmm. on all, all six yeah. of those gigs. I believe happened all on Voice One Two Three. So it's just doing all those auditions and seeing what you get shortlisted for or thumbed up for mm -hmm. or you know in the running for or actually booked for tells you what your bookability is. It's important to pay attention to those to the shortlistings. I know I go through and see mm -hmm. what was I shortlisted for. Um, and if I can, sometimes I'll deep dive and go in and see maybe who got it, try and figure out who mm -hmm. who got the, if I can find it somewhere mm -hmm. on YouTube or wherever, I'll see who got it and how it was different. I, I'm getting a lot of things now. I see a lot of things uh, replacing our AI. So I think people are beginning to realize that AI ain't all it's cracked up to be. Uh, some, some of my friends in marketing said they had right. turned to it a couple times and turned away mm -hmm. because it's missing something something's missing in it i'm a little more optimistic about it though i'm like you tom i yeah. think in the end it's probably going to help the pay to plays instead of hurt them in the end and i think there will be some surprises i mean i've talked to stacy before about i think whatever the next trend ai technology voiceover is um it's not going to be people our age deciding it there's a 15 year old right. in his coding class right now uh-huh <laughs> um, you know, my son or one of his friends yeah. or somebody like that, that are, that's who's, that's who's going to determine this. Well, that's the thing. It's like yeah. a lot of people are wringing their hands and freaking out, but tech decides where every industry exactly. goes. 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 Like the, the, the analogy I usually use is like, you know, the light bulb, it disrupted the candle making industry mm -hmm. and who cared about the candle makers except for the candle makers. Your average mm -hmm. consumer was like, oh good, now I can read a book at night and my house won't burn down. Let's do that. Let's get light bulbs, you know? So you can fight it, embrace it, adapt it, ignore it, you know? But if you fight, mm -hmm. if fighting it is pointless. Um, ignoring it is gonna destroy, could destroy your voiceover career. So you need to adapt to it at the very least or embrace it mm -hmm. because this is where, this is where the AI is, you know, for, for a little while, I think AI is going to be relevant for voice actors because I think there's still a window of opportunity for some voice actors to clone their voice. But there's going to get a point where the tech's going to be good enough that they don't need us to synthesize the voices in the first place. Mm. So those of us who did synthesize their voice and is making money, there's a, win there's a window. And I don't know how long that, um, that window is going to be open. And you did, I, I saw an article on your website about you do have, or you did create an AI voice for I did. yourself. Is that mm -hmm. right? And how was that experience? Uh, it was fascinating. Um, I yeah. mean, uh, 
you can well if you want the full full skinny you go go to vostratus.com and go to my video shop and buy my voice ai voice creation experience i'm going to because uh, that looks so interesting yeah, it sounds interesting <laughs> um but um in short i did my due diligence i took interviews with multiple ai production companies i asked them a, a many 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 questions um and i had all of the agreements reviewed by our good lawyer voice actor friend rob siglin paglia and i picked mm -hmm. the one that i yeah. felt the most comfortable with based on their business model and the agreement and all that stuff. And then I, uh, you know, read 10,000 words and submitted it. And a few months later, there was my voice. And uh, that was well over a year ago, maybe close, wow. close to a year and a half ago. And yeah, it, uh, it makes money. Not a lot of money, wow. but it makes money. It's, a, it's just one of my passive income revenue streams that I am building, like my audiobook royalty share, like my Amazon affiliate on VOStrategist.com, you know, like my video sales on VOStrategist.com, you know, things like mm -hmm. that to build as many revenue streams as possible. And while that's going on over there, I'm being the artist over here doing my auditions, mm -hmm, right. doing my bookings, developing relationships with fellow humans in the voiceover industry. We talked about not just relying on casting sites for work, but I think also the importance of having different pots that your hand is in, not just the voiceover work, but all of these other streams. I'm also a musician. Mm -hmm. um, I also do some other things because voiceover, you know, is a very up and down world. Yeah, it's extremely and... unpredictable. And I think less and less people are going to be making a, a regular living doing it because of how AI is going to contract the voiceover yeah. industry. There'll still be pe so. people making great livings and six digit incomes and stuff. But I think it's going to get it's going to get harder and harder and harder to do that. I, I think, think the best right. advice I've heard about that is just be as good as you can. That's all you be can do. Really, really, be really as, good. Be a better storyteller than the AI for that for mm -hmm. as long as you can until until they truly catch up. And they're I don't think they're ever going to catch up <clears throat> all the way, but I think they're going to get a lot closer in the next few years. And again, the voiceover industry is going to contract, but we just don't know what that looks like. So diversify. Don't let pay-to-plays just be the entire meal. Let it be part of a balanced breakfast. You should be doing self-marketing and looking for representation and doing other things to develop revenue streams like, oh, I don't know, hosting a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an idea. What an idea. A good idea, Yeah, Tom. you should jump on that. Well, Tom has a great many uh, really valuable videos and how-tos on, it's VOStrategist.com, correct? Yes, VOStrategist.com. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I would recommend anybody to go check out what he has there yeah. because and they are so useful. Such great and information. And of course, we will put it in our what, Christy? In our show, show notes. notes. You have to do jazz hands when we do show notes. Fossey, fossey, fossey. Fossey, fossey, fossey. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're in New York. You can say yep. that. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> it's time for this to end. Oh, I'm so sad. I know I am too. Um, Tom, we will have you back if you ever make another mistake. Would you let us oh, know? Oh, so we it'll can happen. Back? It's just a matter of time. <laughs> okay. You can even just, you know, write us an email. Sure. And, yeah. and, and we're thinking of maybe doing a holiday mistake extravaganza at the end of the year. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll get in on that. Sure. Thank you so much for being here so much. Oh, you're great. Thank you so much. It was my Tom. pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, such a valuable lesson, too. I really hope everyone in the business that's, especially those starting out, take your advice to heart. Thank you. Especially. Thank you for having me. So, this was fun. Thank you. Right. Oh, hey, everybody, don't forget to go to myownmistake.com and subscribe. We always forget to say that. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All right, Stacey, I'll see you next see time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Tom. Bye. 
thanks for listening to My Own Mistake with Christy Spadafore and Stacey Kimball. I'm Vince Yuri, and I hope that you'll join us next time to hear more stories about more mistakes.